The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this week on our episode, we watched the film The Howling from a year that I currently don't remember, but we'll get later on in the podcast, um, directed by Joe Dante, and uh, we'll we'll be talking in depth about that later on in the podcast. Um, but before we get into our review, we like to talk about what's been going on uh, with us, both personally, but usually related to film in some way. And uh, we'll talk about the Blu-rays and DVDs coming out on Tuesday, October 24th, and the movies coming out in theaters on October 27th, and what you know, which ones we're looking forward to or not looking forward to. Um, Corey, how's your week been? It's been interesting. How about you? It has been um, weird. Uh, we had a technically Monday was a teacher work day. And I was at a training. Uh, it was a it was a good training, but it was an all day training. So it was like eight hours of of uh, sitting in a room with a bunch of colleagues who generally I get along with quite well, with trainers who were um, were good, but it's still long. It's a lot of repetition. And they, for me, what really gets it is um, one the film The Lobster. You remember the scenes where they had the uh, the people pretending to be like in a couple or not in a couple. And all of the exaggerated, yeah. yes, that's what situations. this type of training was, where like they would like uh, oh, model, no. and like this is how you should do it in the classroom, and then they would be like, okay, now you do it at your tables, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is outside of my comfort zone. I don't like to play pretend like that. Um, I especially don't like to do it uh, in front of people. Um, not that I play pretend by myself, but still. In a large room full of other people doing the same thing, I, I get very uncomfortable, and I am not good at doing things when I'm feeling uncomfortable. Like I, I just tend to shut down. Um, so it was, it was a hard day every time that would happen, where they're like, "All right, guys, now you're gonna do it." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm not." No, but I'm um, not. we're gonna sit here and talk about something else. I here's what I don't understand, and I was in retail for a long time and in management and blah 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 and they always wanted you to like do role playing Mm -hmm. to like teach things and i hated that so much like i don't do that yeah i'm I'm the same way and it's funny with my obsession of film you would think acting would be something i i'm fond of but i'm more fond of watching it than i am of participating and especially um i don't know i don't mind acting when it feels necessary but when you're being like told to do something that like I get the general idea, guys, like I don't need to pretend that there's students in front of me um, to do the thing you're telling me to do. Like I get it. I don't need to practice it in that way. Um, and more so, it's not going to be the same pretending like it's, it's just not. You know, there's a lot of uh, factors that go into a classroom environment that don't go into that that role play. And it, it just it, you know, it wears on you and then. Um, so I missed Monday. Well, I didn't miss Monday, but we didn't have school Monday, and I was at a training with all of my other teachers. And then Wednesday, I had to miss work because I had um, I coach girls golf, and we had our district tournament, and we came in second. Uh, which nice. Is, yeah, it's. It, I was really hoping for first. My girls uh, were a little disappointed. There, there's a, a lot of talent on my team, a lot of young talent, and um, 
But we do get to go to regional still, so on Monday I'll be doing that. So my week's just kind of feeling like I'm I'm only working like every other day. Like I'm working Thursday and Friday for the first time this week. I'm working two days in a row, but then I'm off Monday, so I have to like tomorrow's stressful because I have to have everything ready for the sub on Monday because I won't be back in the classroom until Tuesday, and that means you know like yeah I I always feel a little unprepared for sub days and stuff, and it's 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 stressful. Um, plus. The turnaround because I was just off yesterday at the tournament and now I have to like get everything ready again to be gone on Monday and I don't like I don't like missing my classes. Um, you know, the way I teach does require me to be there I, and when I'm not there, I definitely it puts a strain on me. I feel like my classes falls behind a day from where I want them to be and it's just you know. But on the bright side, um, my odd my uh, beginning level classes started watching Edward Scissorhands, um, <clears throat> most of which had never seen so. That was it's always cool to get to introduce a movie, especially because there's stuff from our area filmed in it. You know, the Lakeland Shopping Center. Most of them have seen that, and we're like, "Oh, look at that!" And I'm like, "Yeah, they filmed part of it in Lakeland. They filmed a lot of it in Tampa." Um, and uh, but it's it's a you know I, I talked a little bit about German expressionism and its influence on the set and Tim Burton's filmmaking, and then um, you know we're talking about different aspects of the film, and a lot of them uh, only know Winona Ryder from Stranger Things. So, oh, I can't with these babies. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, that's, uh, I believe Edward Scissorhands is 1990, and most of these kids were 11 years from being born. You know, <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> it's getting, it's pretty crazy when most of my classes now have students that were not alive when 9/11 happened. Like it's, it's or it, like even. Oh, go ahead. No, I just it makes you feel old. Like as you know, as a old teacher. as heck. Um. Well, it even bothers me when I'm at the grocery store or something, and it's like, you have to be over born this day and you're blah, blah, blah to buy cigarettes or alcohol. And I'm like, there's no way those little turkeys <laughs> are old enough to buy those things. <laughs> yeah. Can't handle it. But um, but I, I still managed. I've only missed one. I'm one day behind right now on my horror movie watching. Oh, um, wow. Which stinks. I didn't want to fall behind, but I could not make... Um, what day was it? Tuesday? Oh, Tuesday. We had um, I worked all day, and then my daughter had an open house, so we didn't get home until about eight something, and then we recorded top five movies on Tuesday. So I just had no time to fit a movie in. Um, oh heck, that's right. So that put me behind a day, but I will double up this weekend, either on Saturday or Sunday, or maybe tomorrow night, and um, get caught up. But I watched um some good ones this week, or at least. A couple that I liked a lot. Um, I just finished Black Christmas about an hour ago before we're recording this. And um, I liked it a lot, except uh, not. An, it's not an except, but I was really upset. Dang it! I said upset a second time. Um, I didn't like part of the ending, and it's not that I didn't like it. it it's very ambiguous with the ending, and it. It. it I was yeah. not. I wasn't expecting it to be ambiguous at the ending, so I was really. Oh, like, I thought that we had even talked about that on one of our movie clubs because I chose it. For that reason. Wait, we did movie club? Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. Well, for one did of talk our top about fives. It. Ah, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was it for that? See, I guess I forgot why. I knew we. I knew you mentioned it and and you recommended it. I just didn't remember the context. Um, mm-hmm. I but. am glad because uh, I feel like I'm a bad movie picker outer. And when I forget what movie did you watch? Oh, I Death, love Dead Silence. Death Everyone, Silence. I no shame to my game. But you did not love it. Uh, that's, uh, to be fair, I didn't dislike it either. I just, you know, it's it's a very, like, 
There are some cool visuals. Um, I thought the uh, the the kills were pretty freaky. Um, some of the dialogue was, you know, horror movie dialogue, so a little over the top. I thought Donnie Wahlberg was funny in his performance. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, can't help it. I did like the twist at the end, though. Um, I mm-hmm. actually, I, I didn't even, not once did I suspect. At, at, there's two twists technically, right? Like, um, who who somebody is, and then what somebody's happened, what's happened to somebody else. And I didn't see either of those twists coming, but I really didn't see the what happened twist. Um, and I was uh, that that was probably the highlight of that film for me. Um, I, I rewatched Halloween three with my wife on uh, Sunday, I believe it was. Um, and I I do like the third one. It's it's bad, but it, there's something about it that I just it's enjoy. Bad. Yeah, it, it's bad. There's like it's hard to argue that it's not bad. There's some real cheesy stuff in it, and some of the stuff doesn't make sense. And there's like an unnecessary sex scene in it for like it, it's like it's not it's, there's not even like nudity. So I'm not like complaining about oh they they it's just like comes out of nowhere and it's really long and you're like why is this in this movie like this is so not necessary Um, and uh that that's kind of like you could even say that about the whole movie especially because uh it was supposed to be the anthology film for the halloween franchise and then it's not i mean it is but then they went back to michael myers for everyone afterwards so it's like this weird like anomaly of film it's like man they really should just drop the halloween title and call it season of the witch which also doesn't really make sense as a title because i don't think they ever once used the phrase witch in the movie <laughs> like i don't think there's ever an explanation that involves witches so i don't really understand the title unless i just miss something or we're just supposed to assume because there's black magic at work that it's witches but they never they never really say that so i don't know but i there is something about it that i enjoy maybe because it's so weird that it exists that i i just kind of latch onto it i do like the premise of it though with the the halloween mask that will melt their faces even though it doesn't make any sense uh i do enjoy i've it. never seen this movie are you serious oh man <laughs> yeah I, I don't feel like you can spoil this it's just you just have to see it it's, it's just bad okay. it's just crazy. i'm kidding <laughs> um, i was wondering actually um do you have these movies are they um dvd blu-ray or in your digital collection um dead silence i have on dvd i bought at walmart in the four dollar bin the other day um and it was the unrated edition so i don't know what additional content was in it but it didn't give me a choice it just played the uh unrated automatically um so i don't know if the other versions on it It was again it was four bucks i'm not like picking and choosing i was like hey good deal for a movie i was planning on watching anyways um Mm -hmm. halloween 3 i rented on amazon uh for three bucks um Mainly because my wife never wants to watch a horror movie, so if she actually like says like let's watch this. I'm buying it to, or at least renting it to watch it. <laughs> like, like yes. that happened with Sleepaway Camp too. Um, not too. I can't Sleepaway believe Camp. that she liked that movie. She has the- a weird childhood connection to Sleepaway Camp. I don't. It's not something you want to say out loud, but um, uh, it, yeah, she she was all about watching that one, and then Halloween three, she was all about watching, and then was like almost immediately. I think. She she always says she's afraid of Mike Myers, but I think she's afraid of John Car- Carpenter's soundtracks. Music? Yeah, because like, he did the score for the third one, but that's it. And um, he produced it, but like he's not the director or anything. But like the music kicked in for the opening credits, and she's like, I don't want to watch this. I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, oh, no. You already committed. Yeah, so she, and she did. And she never really got – it's not – there's not really scary stuff. There's some, some awesome, like, disturbing, like, brutality in the movie, but um, – she never really got scared or anything, but she like uh, right when the music kicked in, I was like, oh, 
And I didn't make the observation. I'm like, I think it's John Carpenter's scores that bother you, not not so much. So Christmas my, my... is coming up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to buy her the complete vinyl set of John <laughs> Carpenter's scores. She'll cut us and never uh, want to speak to us again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she she thinks that there's another horror film where masks melt people's faces. But she can't think of what she's convinced it wasn't this one, but that there's another film out there. We can't find it. So if you guys know of a horror film that has Halloween masks that melt people's faces, please email me the name at contact at Uh I, I'm guessing it must be like a, a low budget or small, like a B film that she saw as a kid or something because she's swearing it's not Halloween three now. It could be that she built it in her head differently because I do that all the time myself where like I will build a scene out more than it is or under build a scene from what it is um, where, you know, inside my memory, it's very different than what actually plays on in front of me. But who knows if you know, please email contact at Um So that's basically what I've watched. I, you know, I watched The Howling, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight, yesterday, and I watched Black Christmas today. Um, I did skip. I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978 and man. <clears throat> That movie is great. Um, I really like the one from the fifties, but yeah, the seventy-eight one is the one to watch. It is, it's great. Like the cast is great. Um, it's definitely scarier, and I think it had because there was always commentary. The idea of like the invasion mindset that we're being replaced by identical lookalikes, and we are all like a hive mind kind of thing. Um, <laughs> really feels appropriate in today's culture like like what's happening in our world right now like that you know you you have to because um i don't want to spoil anything but like one of the characters early in the film realizes that if you don't show emotion you can blend in with the with the uh, replacement people and um so like that's they're they're trying to like camouflage themselves basically and so it's like, oh, okay, so as long as you don't speak out against um, the people in power, you're good. That's the, you know what I mean? Like, that was the kind of vibe I got. And I was like, oh, wow, that feels oddly appropriate right now. Um, you know, fake news if you say anything negative about our president. But otherwise, you're okay. You're good news. So, um, you know, just saying. That's the thought I had when I was watching the movie. But enough about what I've watched. Corey, have you seen anything outside of The, the Howling this week? I feel like you should be impressed because I did watch one movie. Oh. <laughs> one movie? Guys, I'm very busy. Um, like you aren't. Um, <laughs> I watched 1973's The Legend of, Hel- of Hell House. I don't know that movie. Um. Well, I feel like you should. Oh. I, I, um, as far as like, apparently I really like ghost stories. I'm learning um, if they have good atmosphere, uh. And this one was pretty good. It's not as good as The Changeling, but that's, like, my favorite. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I wasn't really expecting much when I watched it. You know, I, I've i never seen The Changeling, but I am familiar with the some of the premise of it. Um, and this we're talking the old Changeling, not the Nicole Kidman Changeling from, like, a few, like, ten years ago. No. I th- wasn't that... Angelina Jolie. Oh, maybe it was. Um, no, this one has George C. Scott in it, and I love him so much in that movie. I really need to watch some of his other movies. So, 1980? Yeah, I think so. Yep, there it is. See. That's it. I confirmed. George C. Scott. Okay. He's listed. 
Yeah, and that's the one I know about. There's a ball bouncing down the stairs that's supposed to be really creepy. Yes. Yeah. I know. See, I, I've heard of this movie when I was a kid. My Aunt Karen told me about that movie and um, described that scene. And so I've always had that in my head. And so when the Angelina Jolie apparently led one came out in my head, it was a remake of that movie, which I don't think it is. I think it's completely separate. It has nothing to do with the ghost story of that movie. But um, I was always like, is there a ball bouncing in it? And people just give me a look like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, <sighs> that's one I want to see. And so uh, I didn't mean to cut you off with the, uh, the nope. Hell House thing, though. Um, it was pretty good. But The Changeling is my favorite. I, I've added both to my watch list. Um, so now that so it, you can hate me, and I can feel you judging me from a million miles away. Oh, come on. I like ghost stories a lot. In fact, that's one of the reasons I love uh, The Devil's Backbone so much is um, I Word. think the ghost story in that film is, is, is tremendous. And also why I think Crimson Peak works so well because it is it is not what the marketing sold and that's why I think people were not happy with it. But the more I've thought back on that film, the more I think it's great. I need to rewatch it because I still think Charlie Hunnam's performance is not the best in that movie. Um, See, I his performance didn't like stick out to me as being bad. I, I, I didn't say bad, though. I said not the best. <laughs> and but you oh, I, before you've said that he's like he's generally mediocre. Um, he's really, really good in what did I just see that he was in? Oh, I think we talked about that. We definitely did. I cannot now. The movie is gone, though. Whatever he was in, not World, the Lost City is Z. I haven't seen that yet. But whatever he was in um, after that, he's really good. Oh, I thought he was good in Arthur. That's what it was. He's oh, Arthur okay. in um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, I thought he was really good in that. i not saying the movie's great. There's a lot of flaws with the movie. There's some good stuff. I think he got a little bit too much hate, but um, he was really good in that. I've heard he's really good in The Lost City of Z, which uh, we will be watching soon, actually, um, for Movie Club. But uh, I haven't seen it. So, um, oh. But other than that, like he's, I like Pacific Rim. I don't think he's good in Pacific Rim, but I like Pacific Rim nonetheless. Um, Idris Elba is really good in Pacific Rim, as he is in everything I've seen him in. Um, but I'm glad you got to watch a movie. Um, because technically I've watched uh, Edward Scissorhands almost all the way through. Um, I got to the part where he got out of jail th- today in, um, <laughs> I in love that movie. one of my classes. And then uh, we're watching, we started watching The Fly from 1958 in my advanced film class. Um, and uh, I have assigned the podcast as homework. No, I didn't. I did make a joke about it. Though. I was like, hey, eventually I'm just going to start assigning you my podcast as homework, guys. So, yeah. <laughs> And then you could do like really hard trick questions. Yes. What did I say at minute 22 and a half? They could just skip ahead, John. You can't oh, yeah, do those kinds right. of questions. Duh. I'm not good at making tests. Oh, no. Okay. Let's get into the movies that are coming out on home video because there's actually five movies that are all big oh. name coming out on home video on Tuesday. And one of them had the funniest thing I've ever seen. So uh, we're going to start with the worst. And by worst, I mean with a Metacritic score because I get all these da- uh, the release dates for the home video releases from Metacritic.com. Um, the Emoji Movie comes out on Tuesday with a 12 on Metacritic. Oh. But here's the best part. So when I look these up on Metacritic, they all have these really elaborate plot summaries. Um, oh. And, I mean, some are like super like paragraphs. Some are just a big paragraph. But nonetheless, there's always a lot of text. This is the first time I've seen this. The Emoji Movie's plot summary was, I think, 22 poop emojis. Yep. On Metacritic? On Metacritic's website. Their 
plot summary was like 22 poop emojis. Um, I don't I'm know. I'm glad who, that you counted them. I, I'm guessing, uh, but I thought it would be funny if I said 22. So, you know, um, yeah, I I've never. They're always really elaborate. I don't know who writes them. I don't know if it's fan based or if it's. I assume it's someone from the Metacritic website, but that's it. So I took that to say is there is no plot. The plot is poop, hence 22 poop emojis, and I I thought it was great. So um, I did not see the emoji movie. I I heard nothing good about it. Um, I, it was never the one that, like, the second I heard an Emoji movie was being made, I had already planned on not seeing it, so I'm gonna stick to that for now. I don't plan on renting it, um, I don't plan on buying it. Uh, if someone gave it to me for free, I would take it, but I still probably wouldn't watch it. So, that comes out on Tuesday. Um, then we get, uh, better from there. So, um, Annabelle Creation, uh, which I saw in the theater, and I think you did too, right? I did. Um, that comes out on Tuesday on Blu-ray, home, uh, Blu-ray and DVD and VOD. And I am definitely into that. Um, I'm not probably going to buy it, though, but I did like it, and I am a fan of the director who did Lights Out. And I definitely want to uh, to see anything else he makes, although I, I don't know that I would sit through Annabelle Creation again. Not because it was bad, just, you know, I, I saw it. I'm good. What are your thoughts? Um, I enjoyed that movie um, when I saw it in theaters. I would maybe watch it again. Um, I thought they did a really good job. Um, okay, let's just be real. The Conjuring is one of the best movies ever. Even, like, we don't even have to keep it in, like, the horror genre. It's one oh, of the wow. best films ever, I think. I don't care really what anyone else thinks. But, oh. um <laughs> Um, I love that movie so much and it's so hard to like creep me out at all. And it did such a good job and it was just, it, I don't know. It's just so good. Um, and you guys know, I love Patrick Wilson and I'm forgetting his wife's name in that movie. Um, Vera and, Farmiga. um, Lily. Yes. And Lily. Oh my God. James. I, no, not I, James. No, that's wrong. I want to say Taylor and that's not right. Or is it? I don't think, I don't know. It's not Lily Collins and it's not Lily James. Those are two younger actresses. Uh, okay but i don't know so i need to get my life together um but i enjoyed it i don't think that it and i i don't know i don't really want this to become a whole universe though oh that's too late that's already happened i know (laughs) i know but they're just gonna keep going and going and going but i did like how it tied into was it the second one or the first uh, it tries into annabelle doesn't it at the end Mm -hmm. yeah it does tie into the second one uh, I yeah. think because there's the I, I don't know if it's it, the houses we sure are trying to be very yeah we don't I don't um, want to spoil it but um, we both yeah, enjoyed it it is enjoy directed it. by David F. Sandberg who again did Lights Out um, there's some good acting in it um, you know I thought the little girls were convincing I definitely again I liked it I, I'm I would probably I don't own Conjuring 2 yet and that's one I do plan on owning at some point because I did like even though I didn't love Conjuring 2 as much as I love the first one I did like it enough that I want to have... I'm, I'm kind of a completionist in that way. Um, Word. In fact, Annabelle, uh, the first one, which I haven't seen, and I really don't... Now that I've already seen the second one, I don't feel compelled to see the first one, but it was only five bucks, and I was like... I, I almost bought it and convinced myself I didn't need... I I bought a few movies this weekend, so I was like, come on, you can't just keep buying more movies. So um, I ended up not getting it, but if it's still at Walmart for five bucks, I'll probably end up getting it again because of the completionist mindset that I have. Um, but... 
also coming out, and this one is a documentary that I, I kind of really want to see, and that's Inconvenient Truth 2. But now, according to the Metacritic, it's co- it's not being called Inconvenient Truth 2. It's not Inconvenient what? Truth 2. It's an Inconvenient Sequel. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, Truth to Power is a colon that I don't remember seeing in the marketing at the first, like when it was in theaters. Oh, so, no. I just remember an Inconvenient Sequel. Yeah, so I think they added the colon. Um, but it's uh, 68 on Metacritic. Um, it is the documentary that features Al Gore, directed by Bonnie Cohen and John Schneck. And um, it's about global warming and climate change. Um, it is a sequel to The Inconvenient Truth. And uh, it, it looks good, um, both as a documentary, but also an eye-opening piece about the world. And given all the weather that we've had like going on, I mean, there's California still burning dozens of hurricanes this year, um, earthquakes in, in Mexico and I think somewhere else. I mean, it it's hard to, I've never been one to deny. I'm not like a climate change denier, but it is really hard to keep ignoring. I think is in Idaho and Wyoming are on fire and they don't get a lot of press for that. But yeah, uh, Idaho's has calmed down a bit, but Wyoming was really bad every year though. Um, Idaho, like, real bad. Um, it's so dry here. We have super bad fires, but nobody talks about it. That's crazy to think that it's so dry um, up there. I mean, we, we get drought here, but not... It usually is, like, a month of... Like, everyone's like, oh, no, conserve water. And then it's like, it doesn't stop raining for a month. And you're like, oh, crap, what were we doing? And now um, we're flooding. Yeah, now we have too much water. Everybody abuse it. Just leave your drains running. Um, but... Yeah, um, Inconvenient Sequel um, has a 68, I don't know if I said that on Metacritic, and is coming out on Tuesday. Now, the next two are one I have not seen, but I've already bought uh, VOD, and I'm planning on watching it this month because it's listed as a drama horror mystery. Um, it's Personal Shopper, uh, starring Kristen Stewart, Lars um, Eidinger, uh, Sigrid, oh boy, these names, um, directed by Olivier... Assay, yes. No. Olivier, I don't know. It's Olivier? Is it Olivier with an I-E-R at the end? Um, I believe so. Oh. Well, that seems wrong. But um, If it's French. It's, <laughs> it's Assay, yes. I think it's how you say his name. It's Assay, yes. Maybe Maybe. We're so bad. I'm not good with names. But it has a 77 on Metacritic. Um, I've heard a lot about this movie, and it, it's super indie. Um, and I'm going to read the plot description from IMDb. A personal shopper in Paris refuses to leave the city until she makes contact with her twin brother who previously died there. Her life becomes Ew. more complicated when a mysterious person contacts her via text message. Um, it's supposed to be excellent. I very much want to watch this and I'm going to add it to my uh, my horror viewing for this month. I there uh, I can't help it that the fact that Kristen Stewart's in it just... You know, I think, and I know everybody says that she's so great in this movie. Well, she's so great in most movies, except for the movies that made her uh, synonymous with bad acting, which is Twilight and the whole saga. Um, I've only seen her in one other, I think. Was it Adventureland? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't care for that one. A lot of people liked that movie. I, I found it kind of dull, and I was surprised because I usually like movies in that same like genre. But uh, for some reason, it just didn't click for me. It may have been the day I watched it. You know, sometimes you're just not in the mood for that type of movie. There's a lot of dialogue, and it's oh yeah. Um, and I was kind of uh, hating on her at the time. Still, um, she's 
pretty good though with Eisenberg in uh, both Woody Allen's movie from last year that I cannot think of the name, Cafe Society, and then um, her and Eisenberg again in American Ultra, um, which is not a great movie, but it's it's fun. Topher Grace is in it, and he's the bad guy, and he's kind of obnoxious. But wait, yeah, Topher Topher Grace is the dude from that '70s show, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, he's playing a villain again. It's it's hard to forgive him for Venom. So, um, but nonetheless, let's move on. The last movie coming out is the highest Metacritic score in the in the bunch with an 82, and it's War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, <gasps> yeah, this is the movie I want to own for sure. Um, I, one, I already own the other two, so I need to complete the the trilogy. As I've noted, I am a completionist with movies. Um, it, it was really great, though. I love this movie. Um, I hope Andy Serkis gets nominated for an Oscar. I think it would be awesome um, for a motion caption actor to get the nod um, because he does so much through the motion capture. Like, there's so much emotion in Caesar, and not just with what he says. Like, body language is so powerful. Um, and you Did you get to see this? I think I saw it in IMAX. Ah, yes. I think you might be right. Yes, and I loved it. It's really hard not to. It's It's got so much greatness in it. Matt Reeves directed, um, who I'm, again, we mentioned him on Top 5 this week. Um, he is a, a pretty great director from what I've seen. I love those movies. I forgot the one that I think it was on my list even, um, or it was on maybe it was Mike's list that one of his early movies was on. And then uh, he's directing the Batman uh, standalone film coming up in the future um, that I hope is great. I, I, it may not be, but I hope it is. But um, those are our home video releases. Corey, of those, um, now you've already seen War for the Planet of the Apes but, and Annabelle. So let's go. The three that you haven't seen, which one interests you the most? Oh, geez. Personal Shopper. Okay. Well, there you go. Personal Shopper. Corey said it's the best movie ever. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. And she, you can join her news. Um, hashtag Corey Loves Kristen Stewart fan club. Um, oh, Jesus. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> I, I will make sure you get the seal book of Personal Shopper. Um, You're a jerk. <laughs> so... We have three movies coming out to theaters next week um, on October 27th, and I think I want to see all three. Um, one, oh. is, one, the word want is probably being a little generous. Uh, one, I'm going to go see. Uh, two, I definitely want to see. And so let's start with the one I'm going to see, and that's Jigsaw. The eighth installment in the <clears throat> Saw franchise started by James Wan, the director from Dead Silence and... Uh, the Conjuring um, and Insidious, to be fair, um, he is not directing this one. Uh, it's directed by two guys, but it looks like they're probably brothers: Michael Spierig and Peter Spierig. Um, oh, but, Peter Spierig directed Daybreakers. Ah, okay. I have not seen that, but I've heard good things. Um, bodies are turning up around the city, each having met a uniquely gruesome demise. As the investigation proceeds, evidence points to the one suspect, John Kramer, the man known as Jigsaw, who has been dead for 10 years. So, um, I liked Saw a lot when it first came out. Um, I, I liked Saw 2, 3, 4. I think 4 was where I started to lose interest. 5, I barely made it through, and I did not see 6 or 7, but I am going to go see 8, mainly because Regal is holding me hostage. Um, I have to buy a ticket for that and Boo 2 to get uh, the digital copies for all four of those those two movies, plus Hitman's Bodyguard and American Assassin. 
and honestly, I just want Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> like, American Assassin was fine. I don't know that I'll rewatch it, but it's. I like to have movies in case somebody else wants to watch it, or if I want to teach it. I don't again think I would teach American Assassin, but um, that'd be a great movie to teach. I, I need I need to go ahead and see both this and Boo Two, Medea's Halloween or whatever it's called. Um, I don't have to actually see it. I just have to get a ticket for it. When that's what I'm gonna do, but. Um, I am going to see Jigsaw, partly because I have to see a bunch of horror movies, and I like to go see movies on the opening week, so I'm planning on that, and then, um, but then there's two other movies, and this is, it's, I can't wait for Halloween to get here so I can stop watching horror movies, not that I'm, well, I'm enjoying them, but I, there's a bunch of movies right now that I'm not watching because I'm watching horror movies, there's a new Noah Baumbach film that went straight to Netflix, it's getting great reviews, It stars Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller, and <gasps> surprise, surprise, Adam Sandler in a dramatic role that he's supposed to be amazing in. Um, I've heard great things about his mm. performance, and I really, really want to watch it. I just can't fit it into my schedule right now, so I have to wait till like November first to see it. I haven't seen The Foreigner yet. I haven't seen um, Battle of the Sexes is still playing. I haven't been able to see that. Uh, man, there's like two other movies that came out. I haven't seen The Mountain Between Us um, because they're not horror films, and. It's getting worse because here comes this next movie. Um, this is the one I want to see the most, and it's Suburbicon, uh, directed by George Clooney, stars Matt Damon, Julianne Moore, o- Oscar Isaac. Um, there's some other people in there that look familiar, but I'm not going. I'm not seeing names that are like noteworthy. But uh, it's it's Whoa. written by Joe Joel and Ethan Cohen, um, with George Clooney getting a writing credit and Grant Hels- Heslov. Um, I am a huge Cohen fan, as I've said on this show many, many times. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I'm seeing Suburbicon as a 46 on Metacritic. But, but I like this style of uh, well, I like the way the trailer presents this movie. So, if this movie is what the trailer is presenting, that kind of dark comedy that the Coens are known for, um, I'm all in. You know, that's that's my I, I love Cohen films. Um, in fact. I've I've skipped a few of theirs. The only one I know I don't I didn't love, and to be fair, I saw it when I was much younger, and maybe I would like it now. Although critics would say otherwise, the Lady Killers with Tom Hanks and Marlon Wayans and a few other people. That was the only Cohen film I saw that I didn't like. But I still haven't seen Intolerable Cruelty, Hudsucker Proxy. Um, there's like I think one or two more Cohen films that I've yet to watch, but. You know, I love Blood Simple. I love Miller's Crossing. I love uh, Barton Fink. I actually love a lot. Um, and then their newer, their more recent stuff. I love Hail Caesar. I think it got hated on um, too much. And so, while they are not the directors, they've worked with Clooney a whole bunch. So I feel like Clooney's got a sense of their style. And if that translates to their script, then it's it should be great for me, even if other people don't like it. People are wrong about Hail Caesar. I, right? Um, I, I mean, I can see. I, love I can see some people not liking it, uh, especially if you're not interested in like the Hollywood system of the of the old <clears> days, because it's definitely commentary on that. Um, oh, which is so nuts. Yeah, but uh, the next movie that's coming out on Friday um, is definitely an Oscar type film. Uh, it <gasps> is a military movie called "Thank You for Your oh. Service." Um, it stars Miles Teller in his second. Uh, second Oscar type movie that came out this month because he uh to officially comes out on the twenty the 20th is only the crap the movie about the firefighters that I talked about last week on the episode oh only the brave only the brave that's what I was thinking it was that but if I was, I was thinking I was gonna say only the bold and I was like that's not right 
um, heat mile sellers in both of these films and both look like they are Oscar worthy type performances. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, Miles Teller plays a soldier returning from war. Um, a group of U.S. soldiers returning from the Iraqi struggles to integrate back into family and civilian life uh, while living with the memory of a war that threatens to destroy them long after they've left the battlefield. So PTSD, essentially. And um, I I don't always like movies like this. Um, I don't like the idea of propagating war. And um, there are some w- movies with soldiers where it seems like it, it encourages... Uh, killing versus fighting for freedom like and i know it's a pr twist there but i don't like the idea of cheering for someone being murdered or or not even murder is the wrong word for someone being to like to kill somebody else because killing is wrong now defense like i understand why and i'm not i'm not anti-war in the sense of like i'm anti okay this is a this is such a rabbit hole that i don't like talking about these type of movies for this reason I don't. I, I support the troops. I, I respect our soldiers, but I don't like when a film pushes the uh, the agenda as kill all the the bad guys. Um, you know, defend freedom, fight for fight for what we we stand for, protect the I, innocent. I I'm fine with, but it, it's all about how they portray the story. <laughs> um, this one looks though like it's going to be very genuine and um, heartfelt, and so if that's how they play it. It could be really good, but it will be if I walk in and I feel like this is a like a promotional video to get people to join the military. I don't I from what I, you've said about it, I don't necessarily feel like that's going to be the um, what you know what I mean? Because the there's been a lot of talk about like people coming from our prison systems and trying to reintegrate into regular normal public life and the same with soldiers like there's no buffer for them they they're going hard and then it's just like boom they're just supposed to you know reintegrate and just be normal um and that's not the case and there there are i'm not i don't want to get into a debate not with you but like with no 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 um, about the movies that I'm referring to. I am a fan of a lot of war films. Um, I, you know, Saving Private Ryan's great. Um, I really like Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Dunkirk, definitely. Um, and I feel like most of those movies do a good job of not being propaganda for war movements. Um, there are some out there, though, that are definitely like attaboy, cheer for your, cheer for your soldiers, um, solely for the idea of, you know, perpetuating this idea of being, like... I don't know. I don't like I teach. And so there's a a constant barrage of to the high school students to join the military. And I think that's great for the kids that are really dedicated to joining the military. Um, Just like I don't want a person who's not really into working at McDonald's making my hamburger because they're not going to do the best job. And they might even like, you know, drop it on the floor and pick it right back up kind of thing. I don't really, I don't really want someone who isn't a hundred percent committed to being a soldier being a soldier, um, because this, think of like how easy it is to to not put a hundred percent into something you don't care about, and then think of what's at stake with a soldier, you know. So I get very leery about how we market joining the military to teenagers because, again, like if if you're if you're really committed, if that's something you're passionate about, now I've met some people super passionate about being in the military. Uh, and then go for it, you know, especially again, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it to protect the country, not to go kill people, you know, um, 
and that it just it's just a it's a it's a thing that I have a hard time kind of articulating where I stand. I know it's more of a feeling, and I'm hoping this movie elicits the right type of feeling because there's definitely like Hacksaw Ridge. I was inspired. I, I teared up at the end um, of the actual movie, but I teared up even more when they had the the footage of the interviews with the actual soldiers from that fight. Oh, dang! And um, you know, it, it hit a lot of emotions, and uh, and that's from Mel Gibson, mind you. Like you know, and let's not pretend that Mel Gibson's like some normal guy. He's he, he's proven to be a bit of a loon, and he made a movie that brought emotion to me through war and that's the type of thing that I can get behind. And it does look like thank you for your service might be that type of movie. So I'm probably going to see that. I may have to wait till the following weekend when it's November and I'm not, you know, committed to watching 31 horror movies. So see what happens. But I think it's time, Corey, that we get into our review of the howling. So the howling is from 1981 uh, directed by Joe Dante, um, who you might know of from the Gremlins and several other films. Um, Burying star- the X. Uh, what is it? Burying the X. Oh yeah, I got it. That's that's such a recent one for him too. Um, uh, it stars D. Wallace, Patrick McNee, Dennis Dugan, um, Christopher Stone, Belinda Belisky, Belasky, Kevin McCarthy, which is someone I know well. I don't remember where he is in the movie to be honest, but. Um, John Carradine, Slim Pickens, um, Elizabeth Brooks, Robert Picardo, and hold on, there's at least one more person that I want to name, uh, Don McLeod, I think that's it, yeah, that'll work, so, um, I knew very little about this movie, um, I, I, in fact, the only thing I knew about this movie going in was it was a werewolf movie, um, I knew nothing else, uh, I guess I knew that it was it has like a big following of people like there's a fan base for this movie, but I didn't really know what the plot was or uh, the difference until the other day, which I will read to you now. Um, The plot summary says after a bizarre and near fatal um, encounter with a serial killer, a television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem. So, um. Corey, what did you think? What are your initial impressions of The Howling? That we were warned about this movie. How, what was the warning exactly, though? That it's not good. Oh. <laughs> and lots of uh, disapproving um, noises from Mike. Mm, or <laughs> I can't. Like, he's like, mm, like, every time we would mention it. Uh, just disappointed sounds um and we're both fans of uh american werewolf in uh london Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh i think that that's a pretty fantastic movie yeah and that we were told that most people like one or the other yes i just don't remember where i heard that um and (laughs) i don't i don't know that you i don't see why you can't like both um oh i can oh i mean i i I can see why you may not like one, but I don't know what the connection is because I don't feel like there's any kind of competition between I think these. Because it's that thing that Hollywood does all the time, where they release these were both they were both released in the same year, weren't they? Uh, I you know what I I think that's right, but I'm not 100. percent Hold on. Um, while we're saying that though, I do want to point out uh, the Howling has a 68 on Rotten Tomato and a 58 audience score and a six point 
Hold on, 6.6 on IMDb. Um, so it's in the positive. It's not like super positive, but it's it's, it's not it's not rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's um, and I I will say I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, there are things that I liked about it. There's some definite stuff that I well one and this I don't think this is a spoiler, but it was a lot rapier than I was expecting for a werewolf movie. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like one the serial killer in the opening. This is in the beginning of the movie. Uh, has the newswoman meet him in a porn um store in the back room where I guess you could watch videos, which is disturbing for other reasons. And yeah, you're right. It is both 1981. So there is that connection. Um, and, uh, the video he puts on for the newswoman is a, a rape type porn. Like I, I hope. Yeah. yeah. So super disturbing imagery that you're forced to see and she is forced to see. Um, and then there's later in the movie, there's some more kind of like, there's a, there's a, there's a wolf sex scene. I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, um, but the, you know this is a werewolf movie, so I, I don't know. But um, that was that was weird. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever watched a werewolf movie. Like, you know what? You know what would be hot? I can't wait for them. <laughs> to get it on. Yeah, werewolf getting it on. Never said um, by anyone ever. It might be where furries came from, though, right? Like, Gross! Why are we talking about that? You know, I'm just saying, it's a a thing people are aware of. And here's a movie from 1981 where werewolves do it. Where it all began. It could be where... Because, I mean, think about it. Isn't a furry, like, a... A metaphorical werewolf, like they're like you can't actually change into an animal, but you change into an animal. I'm doing quote fingers, but you can't see that because it's a podcast. But, um, you know what I mean? Like it's maybe this is the movie that started that that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know that uh, those two scenes in particular were disturbing, and I did not expect that um, from this movie. Uh, now. We, this is a review for The Howling. I am going to end up making a lot of comparisons to American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, London, London, not Paris. I always do that. Um, American Werewolf in London. Uh, because I, I feel like the distinctive difference that makes this one not great to me is uh, what makes the other one so great. And I, I also want like, I kind of went in when I picked The Howling, assuming, because I'd heard the comparison to American Werewolf in London. And I kind of assumed that there would be comedy in this one. And there's not. Um, no, we is, were laughing for totally different reasons. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, now, I think it's time for spoilers. But Corey sounds um, not not impressed by The Howling. And I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't hate it. I think there's some really good stuff in it. And I will talk about that more in I spoilers. I can't wait for you to do that. Okay. Let's get into uh, spoilers in Corey. Okay, guys, um, we are about to talk about The Howling from 1981, directed by Joe Dante, and some pretty, we're going to be talking lots of spoilers, probably. If you want to go watch the movie first, and then come back and take a listen, great. If not, full steam ahead. Okay, so I'm just, we're going to jump around. We don't we do not do a plot by yeah. point by plot point by plot point breakdown or anything like that, but there are two scenes that were really bad <sighs> that I want to talk about. One, at the end of Werewolf Sex... They are animated werewolves, um, and I don't know why. And then it, like, fades into the background, and I'm like, what are you trying to make it be? I don't know why we had to see cartoon werewolves doing it um, from a long shot. What am I supposed to be? And it, it was, like, it wasn't, like, 
the drawing was realistic, and I, I don't know. Um, the only thing I could argue is if it was supposed to be the idea that someone was watching them have sex, because um, uh, what's the main the main werewolf that tries to Eddie Eddie um, Eddie Quist. Eddie, Eddie had drawings, so I don't know if it's supposed to be implying that he drew his sister having sex with with Bill as werewolves, and that's why it became an artist rendering. I don't think so, but if you really want to get you know like meta in this movie, that's probably what you could argue. Um, but then the other scene that also looked really bad was af- after uh, Karen and Chris, I believe, escape the werewolf uh, camp, if you will. Um, there is three werewolves howling that are clearly claymation, and I don't know why. Again, because there were there were actual werewolves moments before, so it almost seemed like they were going to edit. They realized they didn't get the shot he wanted, and rather than just not having the shot of the werewolves howling at the moon, he made three claymation werewolves do it that look awful. Do you know what I'm talking about with both of those scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those were the two absolute like worst moments where i'm just like wow this looks cheap and i okay maybe people like that because it's joe dante's a weird filmmaker he does stuff that's not traditional in a lot of ways so um i'm not familiar with all of his stuff but i know a lot about his movies and i can see that so those two things bug me um pretty bad um now there's a funny thing that bugged me did you notice the uh weird product placement Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to confirm. I'm pretty sure it's a real product, but um, I uh, I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, it's definitely a real product. Um, what? Wolf Chili. Uh, Wolf Chili was in this movie, and it was there were cans of it like randomly. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I couldn't. I was dying. I'm like, oh my god, that is really guys. It's Wolf Chili for a werewolf movie. <laughs> like I was dying. <laughs> That but in, in the, the movie, movie, is it supposed to be made out of human? I don't think so. No, but maybe. Um, but yeah, I oh oh that that cracked me up. It's um, from Texas, y'all. So, all right. So some of the things that really bug me about this movie, and it definitely, and this is, I don't mean to compare this early, but the characters in this movie are really flat. Um, you know, Karen is a moron, like straight up nothing about her who's the the protagonist that i found interesting or redeemable at all in this movie okay as a human being not even just as a woman i would never put myself in the type of situation that like starts this whole movie off now and all for a story though and they try to make it like she's brave but they never really depict her doing anything there that is smart or intelligent or even really brave um it's is it risky sure she puts her life at stake but she doesn't seem to have a real plan like she she's even like she knows she thinks the cops are listening which from some technical reason it doesn't work um but it still seems like she doesn't know what she's doing when she goes in and she doesn't seem to be like i don't know it it just she's never she never does anything until the end of the movie she like everything that happens she just kind of lets happen to her it's the no and yeah no i'm sorry i'm not trying to cut you off go ahead um i and i don't know if they're trying to like portray investigative journalism like you know getting in the you know i don't know what they're doing but her okay 
I don't know what else I've seen her in, so I don't want to generalize her as an actress, but in this movie, she was incredibly annoying, and her voice made my mm. skin crawl. Yeah. I'm just like, stop talking. Well, um, I'll tell you, I didn't know this until just now, because apparently I never looked at her her IMDb list, but she is the mom in E.T., I think. Oh, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. I need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since my daughter was a kid, but still... Um... I don't remember ever disliking the mother in that movie, so it must be this script. Um, I hate that, like, the the, the slow, breathy. Um, I, I, mm, this movie was cheesy. It was slow and boring, and I was really happy when I went to play it. And it's like, I think it's exactly one hour and 30 minutes, which yep. I think is the perfect amount of time for a movie. Generally, it's I some, like that, yep. Do some movies need more? Yeah, sure. But uh, an hour and 30 minutes, how could I feel bad about, you know, investing that kind of time? I It felt like it was two hours and 30 minutes long. Um, I, I didn't feel like it was super slow. I do think it took a long time to get to the werewolf. Uh, something that I love about American Werewolf in London, and I again, I, I don't mean to compare because it's not fair. We should only judge the movie for what it is. Um, but American Werewolf in London, when you know there's a werewolf in the movie... You kind of expect to see the freaking werewolf a lot faster. Now, American Werewolf in London, while we don't see him transform for quite a while, there we see the wolf attack, kind of. We see the his dreams, and we get we get a lot of content through interesting ways in American Werewolf in London that keep you going throughout the film. Here, you do have um, you have the Chris and um, Terry in the movie, who are friends of Kim and Bill's who work at the news station, who are trying to get their own report on Eddie. And um, they, have, they for some reason, they stumble into the werewolf lore. And there's some interesting scenes with them, but they're also really flat characters. Their only motivation is to get this news story. And that's it. They, we don't know anything else about them. We get that they're a couple, but there's not really any, like... we. There's nothing... None of the characters have any real goals that we know about. They're all just... Kim's trying to to get over her attacker, and Kim, you know she wants to be a, a assumably a, a successful news reporter. Bill wants Kim, and he wants to not eat meat because he's a, a fitness enthusiast. Like it's all the characters are so poorly written, and w- that's not bad for a horror movie. That's kind of common, right? A lot of times, horror films have characters that are easy to be. You know, we're not going to be with them long. They're going to get killed off, and we're going to be fine. But that doesn't really happen in this movie. Like the one character that dies that was like I was a little upset about was Terry. But I wasn't that upset because, again, I had nothing investment invested in her. But what I do want to compliment this movie where I think may, why it has a fan base. I thought the transformation scene was really awesome as far as effects go. No. No. <laughs> Whoa. no. Uh, now, Is it? <laughs> go ahead. Hold on. I'm so sorry. Is it a, a logical progression? Like where if like if this werewolf were to come to me and be like, I'm going to kill you. I have five minutes to get away um, easily because it's going to take him five minutes to become the werewolf. And apparently he can't move while he's doing it. But take that out of the equation. This is all practical effects. And it's pretty crazy because his head's bubbling. And then you see like his jaw come out from his face and extend into a wolf mouth, not to mention the fingernails coming out of his hands 
and the the arms getting bigger and the very much like the Incredible Hulk, the clothes ripping off of him. Um, I I thought it was impressive. It was slow. It took forever, but I thought it was impressive. Um, and even like some of the, the again the makeup with the wolves, I thought the wolves looked menacing. One thing I didn't like was that the ears appeared to come out of his head rather than extending from his actual ears. So I thought that was a weird choice. Um, and you know like because it feel like the ears would just like grow upward rather than just like show up out of his head but the wolves looked they were tall menacing they were kind of silly looking but also monstrous and um what he gets acid thrown on his face and then the next time we see him his face is like disfigured and just uh messed up really bad and i thought that was a cool like you know prosthetic look i thought you know again because it's all there's no cg in this movie it's all practical effects and i thought those were good but yeah, that's that's it. Um, uh, I didn't get um, Eddie calls uh, Chris Bright Boy. Like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Like, I'm like, why Bright Boy? It, it was at least two or three times. Yeah, like that was like, come on, Bright Boy, shoot me, Bright Boy. And I'm just like, it's kind of funny because he doesn't know there's a silver bullet in the gun. But at the same time, it's like, okay, <sighs> it, this movie's not really a comedy though, right? So, um. There were a lot of things. I need to comment. I need no, to comment on the ahead. bubbling faces. I have to. I thought it was so dumb. I hated it. I was like, their faces are bubbling, like little cauldron. I didn't understand why. Um, once they're like done transforming, they look fine. But I was just like, why is their face bubbling? Now I don't think their face bubbled when they were doing it and transformed into werewolves. Um, I don't remember for sure. Maybe they did bubble when they were doing it. I know the fur showed up on them, and it, it, it. We didn't actually see them fully transform until the drawing showed up at the end. Uh, if I, if I'm recalling correctly, and I feel like I am. Um, I thought there were some interesting twists, like the doctor being in on it, and everybody being a werewolf at this resort. Um, and the doctor having this kind of Twilight esque, uh plot point which is maybe saying something about stephanie meyer stealing from joe dante um but uh that they they're trying to blend in with society and so they they don't eat people they eat cattle um then you have the really? the um prostitute version of the werewolf who's apparently oh. um she just sleeps with all the guys uh elizabeth her name is Marsha in the movie uh she's sister to assumably sister to eddie elizabeth brooks um is a soap opera actress from what i saw on her imdb and that lives up to the expectation of her performance in this movie um not very good it's uh she's kind of the twist at the end where she's still alive where we're kind of led to believe all the, the werewolves are dead but she's still kicking um and we see her at a bar orders the hamburger rare but i gotta say I love... Did you watch through the credits? No, I didn't. The hamburger is the whole credits. Like, you watch the hamburger cooking on the grill in oh. in close-up for the entire run of the credits, and I thought I that was pretty I watched some great. of that, and I was like, what? I thought it was great. I thought it's... it was such an odd thing to do, and I was like, well, this is interesting, That and he stays with it the whole credits. You're watching a hamburger cook on a flat-top grill in a shitty bar. Like, oh, sorry for the bad word, but couldn't help it, because that's the only way to describe the bar they're in. But, like... Um, no. It's it's it was such an odd choice and it's definitely not rare by the way at the end of the credits she orders it rare that dude has made that burger well done so um yeah uh that's there's really nothing else to say about this movie um 
there's a part where all the werewolves get locked in the barn and then the barn is set on fire and I can't figure and, out why they can't break through wooden walls. Exactly. I'm like, you're strong. Come on, do something. Because he, he kills like five werewolves with the silver bullets. And I'm just like, yeah, you're not going to kill 20 something werewolves. Even if you have enough bullets, you are not going to be fast enough to kill them all. Like there's no, no way. Um, plus we have no reason to believe Chris would be a good shot in the first place. But apparently he is. But there's no reason for us to know that he he's a reporter who apparently went hunting on the weekends or something. But um, yeah, the the plot's kind of ridiculous. Uh, the acting's not great. I thought the makeup and, and the prosthetic choices were interesting. Not necessarily the best werewolf transformation. I do think American Werewolf in London is a superior werewolf movie in every way. I love the characters in that movie. The love story that develops in that movie is very believable. Perfectly- placed humor oh it's it, so so funny and the relation the friendship in that movie is so great like between the two guys you know the, the one who dies and the one who's uh turned into a werewolf i love the dynamic of their relationship there is there's so much good in that movie and you still get the heart you get heartbreak at the end of american werewolf in london um you don't really get any of that in here like i had no emotional attachment to this movie whatsoever um, they the characters did not win me over. I didn't feel bad for them. I wasn't. If a movie's gonna have thin characters, then you have to give me something to be excited about. And usually that's where the werewolf would come in. Give me some really awesome werewolf sequences where were like something innovative. And there really wasn't. Um, the werewolves don't really show up till towards the end, and they don't do a whole lot. Um, like when he kills um, Terry, I think that's what her name was. He like he holds her up Undertaker style choke slam, and then I guess he bites her neck. But you don't see like anything. You hear her scream. You see the blood afterwards. And uh, for when when he went to like bite her, I thought he was like making out with her. Like the way because it was <laughs> it was so mild. He was just like leaned in, head tilted over. Um, I think this might be the first time, Corey. I go in expecting to give one rating, and after talking about it, I think I'm going down a, a notch on my rating scale. <laughs> Um, Usually, it's when we talk that I like I up my rating, and that's not happening with this one. Oh no! I do. Uh, zombies are my favorite, but I think werewolves are my second favorite monster um, type. Um, I I don't. I'm not a vampire fan. I tend to like werewolf movies. Um, although I still I've actually never seen the original Wolfman from the Universal Classic Monsters, and it's something I need to watch. Um, which they reference uh, in this movie. They reference in like every werewolf movie, and that's why I haven't seen it because I've seen okay. so many clips from it. We need to talk about something. Yes. And it's another comparison. So in this movie, they say that they can shapeshift whenever they want. Yes, they change the lore. It's not It's and not that, full moon. They say that that is the lore that – and I forget how they state it, but that they can just change on a whim. But in American Werewolf – they, they have. There has to be a full moon. Very explicitly and, in American Werewolf too. Yeah. And and there's that scene where it doesn't even have to be that they seen it. They see it. It just happens. Yep. And I mentioned that in, in other werewolf movies I've seen. It is they have to see the moon, um, in order to change, uh, to be changed. I think Harry Potter might be that way. I don't think Loomis changes in Prisoner of Azkaban until he sees the moon. Um. I'm fairly confident that that's correct. Uh, when you find out that he's a werewolf at the end of the movie, he sees the moon and that's when he turns. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know for sure what the official lore is. I do feel like it's always been Full Moon. I think uh, he, I think the guy says that's what Hollywood tells you or something. So it was like his way of changing the rules and blaming the movies for it. Um, but yeah, um, that character, the character that owned the occult shop, most interesting character in the movie. I want to know more about that guy. Like he sounds like he's lived yeah. a life. I want a movie about the bookstore owner. So Silver bullets. He's got like books and all kinds of things. He can tell you anything you want to know. And he sounded like he believed it until they questioned him. He's like, what do you think? I'm crazy. I'm just trying to make a buck. Like, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That performance was the best performance in the movie. <laughs> That's so sad. Um, yeah. Obviously, people like this. Um, and again, I can see liking it just because of the transformation sequences. Again, I think you're right. The bubbling doesn't necessarily make sense. But I still thought it was impressive visually because that, that's a lot of work to make a guy's head bubble. You know, that's where I was coming from with that is that it was way more work than probably necessary. You know, we, he could have just showed us the hair and then the, the face as a wolf and I would have taken it um, like Teen Wolf style. Like think it, the Teen Wolf transformation sequences are not that impressive, right? They're just like, hey, look, wolf. And it's like, OK. It's Teen Wolf. I don't need anything else. I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that's a really simple werewolf transition. Um, American Werewolf in London and The Howling both have very intense scenes where you see them change for the first time. And both are brutal and they look painful. Um, American Werewolf in London looks really painful and it's crazy. And it's actually scary, the transformation. Like, you're as horrified Uh, as the guy transforming. Um, And this, uh, The Howling... He was very, you could tell he transformed many, many times. Um, it, it wasn't phasing him, but you could hear like bones cracking and stuff like that. And again, his face is bubbling. Again, I don't know why. And and his transformation took forever. The other werewolf seemed to change a lot faster than he did, which is, you know, continuity type issues. I mean, there's probably people who would argue that he, we saw a slowed down version of the transformation for the movie's sake and then the other transformations we already seen so now we just want to get to the werewolf um but it does feel like a plot hole in a way but yeah um i'm gonna go uh i'll, I'll rate it first <laughs> i'm gonna say um not a total waste of time i think there's some good in the movie but i think it's predominantly not great and you'd be better set watching american werewolf in london um if you're picking a 1981 werewolf movie I'm going to go with Avoid Lake of the Plague. I thought you would. Uh, I thought you Un- might have hated. Yeah. I was a decent watch. And um, before, when we were going in, I was like, yeah, decent watch no. is, is sufficient. And really looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know what? She's right. It's not great. Um, and again, definitely very rapey for a werewolf movie. Um, because yeah. Eddie, the, the, the werewolf sex and the rape at the beginning, and Eddie's definitely he's got an eye for her and it's just and there's there uh there's like a third brother um the guy who gets his hand chopped off um by terry he's also a his his last name in the credits is also quince or whatever that you said the name was and um he's kind of rapey like he when he first sees karen he he like sniffs and then makes like a face and it's just like ah dude this place is not safe at all um yeah (sighs) Did not care for it. Uh, didn't hate it as much as Corey. But there you go. That's our review of The Howling. Um, we have a tough watch next up. We are watching David Lynch's Eraserhead. Um, which we have been warned by Mike that we should not start with. Although I think you've seen a couple of his movies. I have not seen any of Lynch's films 
to my knowledge, except for Firewalk with me. And um, I've only I've seen Twin Peaks season one and two and Firewalk with me. Um, so Eraserhead is supposed to be a really tough watch. We're watching it on the Criterion Collection on films, uh, Filmstruck. Struck. And um, we would love to hear your thoughts on Eraserhead, either watching it with us or if you've already seen it and you have your opinions, um, or your thoughts on The Howling or what we got wrong, or maybe maybe a defense of The Howling. What is it that you love about it, um, especially if you like it more than American Werewolf in London? What are we not getting? You can send your emails to us at contact at com. Again, contact at BerkReviews.com. You can read my reviews on BerkReviews.com as well as uh, reviews from Corey, Mike, and some other writers. We have a couple of podcasts on there, The Rough Cut, uh, Wildcard Pod, and our Burke Reviews podcast, which include The Movie Club and Top 5 Movies. Um, we'd love you to subscribe to all of those. Give us a rating on iTunes. Help us spread the word about our podcast by sharing it. Um, we are going to be working on our Patreon to try to improve uh, the reward system for it. Um, so look forward to that uh, in the near future. Next week, we'll be talking about Eraserhead. Uh, we'll have another top five movies coming at you soon. And um, you can follow me on Twitter until our next episode, at Burke Reviews. And Corey? At Corey R. Star, do ours on the end. And Corey, thank you for uh, recording this episode and suffering through a movie that you did not <laughs> like. So um, to be fair, I did pick this, but I picked this solely based on its uh, on its reputation not on any prior experience so not the same as some of the ones you've picked for me but oh, i wanted to see it i wanted to see it anyways ah okay well then so, i don't feel as bad um no don't at all and we we i had to get uh tribeca shortlist to watch this um for free I had to also um but i am i am gonna stick with tribeca for at least a month i i did it through my amazon prime account um because there is not a tribeca tribeca app on xbox but if you add the channel to your Amazon Prime, you can watch it through the Prime app on Xbox. So if you're an Xbox or PlayStation Weird. user, um, using the Amazon channel system is helpful. The downside is I don't think you can um, log in directly to the Tribeca app to watch it when you do it that way. I think you have to go through the Amazon app. So, um, But nonetheless, that's what we did. And they're not sponsors or anything. So shut up, Tribeca shortlist. No, I'm kidding. But they could. They could. If you want to sponsor us, I will... <laughs> praise you um consistently but until next week Corey, have a good one you do i'll talk to you later bye peace this has been a burke reviews podcast burke reviews.com <laughs>